Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. It's the story of Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. He was eager to destroy the Lord's followers, so he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was nearing Damascus on this mission, a brilliant light from heaven suddenly beamed down upon him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, sir? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men with Saul stood speechless with surprise, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. As Saul picked himself up off the ground, he found that he was blind, so his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days, and all that time he went without food and water. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street, to the house of Judas. When you arrive, ask for Saul of Tarsus. He is praying for me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying his hands on him so that he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard about the terrible things this man has been done this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and we hear that he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest every believer in Damascus. But the Lord said, Go and do what I say, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well and to the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for me. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands upon him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you may get your sight back and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterward, he ate some food and was strengthened. This is the word of the Lord. I didn't realize that uh, we have one of the finest teachers in the sport of golf right in our backyard. And his name is Cam Martins. He is the golf pro over here at the Windermere Golf and Country Club. And the article in the journal this week praises uh, Martins as a very fine teaching professional. He's a very good golfer, but his love is to teach. And he's a real techie. He's a real techie. He has studied the, the whys and the hows of ball flight. Uh, so if you want to get better, go on over to Windermere Golf and Country Club. I'm just getting a very small commission for this this morning. Uh, not really. And uh, he's, uh, he's close at hand. Wouldn't it be great if you could get a guide for other parts of your life besides golfing? Like if you're dating? Wouldn't it be great if you had a, a guide to walk you through the dating process? 
No, not that one. Oh, no, not that one. No, no, not that one. Yeah, that one over here. That's the one. Go that way. And uh, wouldn't it be wonderful if you had a guide when you're in an argument with your spouse? Wouldn't that be a wonderful gift to have a guide right beside you? And just about when you're ready to tell them that they're just like their mother, have a guide that says, no, no, don't go there. Don't do that. Stop. Go over here. I was going to use father. You're just like your father. It's not nearly as funny that way, though. Wouldn't it be great if we had a reliable expert who would be our guide through all the twists and turns of life? How many of us would say, please, I would love that? The Bible says we do. The writers of Scripture have these remarkable ideas and names and pictures of him. He's called the Redeemer. He's called the Creator of everything. He is called a Father. He is a Judge who brings justice. He is a Comforter. And God is a Guide. In the beginning, when God was trying to form a people, He came to Abraham. And the text says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. And God guided Abraham. And when it was time for Israel to leave Egypt, we're told that the Lord would go before them as a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. And this was a, a physical picture of a spiritual promise. In the book of Proverbs, the writer says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. And you know that as Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The most famous psalm talks about this, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He knows just what I need. Our God is a guide. We learned that early in our Christian lives, that God is the one who guides us. So that comes as no surprise when I say it this morning, that God really does guide us through the journey of life. The puzzle that we often face is, but how? How do we actually experience the guidance of God? in our lives. Some people use the language so easily. God told me this morning that I should do that. God said to me I, I should be over here and God showed this to me and God spoke into my heart and, and the language comes so easily. And sometimes we say, well, what am I missing? What, uh, is God speaking to me in that way as well? Are these guys just making up a bunch of stuff? How does all of this work, the guidance of God? Do you remember the story of, of, of Samuel as a boy being dedicated to the Lord by Hannah, his mother? And this little boy grew up under the tutelage of Eli the priest. And remember the time when God spoke to this little boy and Samuel didn't know who it was and he went to Eli in the middle of the night. In fact, he went three times. And finally, Eli twigged. This is God speaking to this little boy. 
And Eli said, when the voice comes again, simply say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's exactly what this little boy Samuel did. And that's the beginning of his relationship with God. Because Samuel did not know it was God. He actually had to learn how to recognize that God was speaking to him. In other words, it's possible for God to speak to someone and for that person to know something is going on, but they don't know it's God. I, I just look back over some of my life, and I can see that it's been some of his low-volume whispers that have launched me into areas of adventure and challenge. I would have never gone that direction except for his whisper. I remember sitting in church on Sunday mornings, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, as a 14-year-old, and having trouble identifying what I was feeling, what I was thinking, what was happening to me, but I felt this magnetic pull towards the pulpit. And I didn't get it as a 14-year-old, only to, only to surmise that there's some kind of message that someone is trying to give me, and I assumed it was God. And I can look back now and say, those were promptings. Those were urgings. Those were the beginning of a direction for my whole life. They were God whispers. And it's been those little promptings that have propelled me forward when I felt really discouraged in life. And the little prompting would come along and, and it, it renewed me and encouraged me. Learning how to hear from heaven while navigating life here on earth. Listening for the communication of heaven. Communication is, is such an amazing gift. I mean, th think of it, first of all, on a human level. We as human beings are able to communicate with one another. I, I imagine for a moment that you walked in here this morning and you couldn't communicate with anybody else. You had no language or everybody spoke a different language and you could not communicate with one another, how difficult that would be. Can, can you imagine if one of us has an idea and we want to tell another, but there's no way to get the message across because you can't get it, you don't know what is being said, how frustrating that would be. When someone is communicating with you, all they're doing is causing you to think certain thoughts that you would not otherwise be thinking. It's amazing how we communicate through sounds. I'm doing that right now. And because you're sitting here listening to this message, you are having thoughts that you might not otherwise be having, right? Thoughts like, when will this be over? <laughs> I wonder what's for brunch. No, away with those thoughts. Thoughts like, I want to be guided by God. Uh, we're communicating. That's on a human level. On a human level, we need sounds or pictures or text, written text. But on a God level, on a God level, things are different. He doesn't have to use sounds. He doesn't have to use symbols, although often he does. He doesn't have to use text, although often he does. He can, but he doesn't have to. He has direct access to your mind. 
He can simply guide a thought without using any other means at all. He can simply guide a thought into your mind without using any other means at all. This helps me because sometimes in my prayer time, uh, and not only in my prayer time, I will have something come to mind that may be totally unrelated to what I'm even thinking about, thinking, praying about, and something else becomes very clear to me. It may be some ministry initiative. It may be a specific person. It might be a family. And as the thought comes, I get an excitement in my heart and a sense of need to embrace that idea or maybe to pray for that person or maybe to act upon what I've just experienced. Where did that communication come from? I believe I know, and you do too. It's possible for God to guide a thought in my mind, and I may not even know if it's God doing that. And something like this is what happened to little Samuel. He didn't know, and God helped him with this. Often the Spirit will prompt us with ideas. A thought will come, and uh, the thought is to write somebody a note, or encourage someone, or to come alongside of someone who feels alone, or someone is in need of something, or maybe it's to, to confront somebody who's going down a wrong path and you feel like, I need to stay something, I need to speak into that person's life. You may well find that when you follow that prompting, you see God doing some incredible stuff. When those thoughts come, the main thing is not to simply say, hey, God's speaking to me. What is important is that you actually do what the prompting is. It may be that you have been obeying these kind of thoughts and serving God your whole life long. And maybe never even really identifying that this is God's voice. The main issue is that you actually respond with obedience. And that's the adventure. And that is our guiding God as he prompts and as he speaks into our lives and hearts. Now, the scripture that Barry read this morning comes from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 19. And there are some aha moments in the passage that inform us of how God whispers from heaven right down into our hearts and he shapes us and he directs us through what he whispers. The first one I like to call the fire hydrant whisper. And I call it fire hydrant because there's pressure when you open the valve on a fire hydrant. We've got one right outside of our home. I mow around it all the time. And when that fire hydrant gets connected to the hose of a firefighter and you get in the path of that blast of water, they'll blow your socks off. You can't stand the pressure of the water hitting you. It will bowl you over. It's different from your shower in the bathtub. It doesn't feel good standing in front of a fire hydrant with a hose connected and it's on you. Paul, Saul, got the fire hydrant treatment in Acts chapter 9. His name was Saul, later changed to Paul. And... Uh, you know that Saul was brewing up a plot to rid the earth of all the Christians. And the context of Acts chapter 9 
is that he's on the road to Damascus. He is on a deadly mission. He's gunning for the Christians in Damascus. And he's, his plan is just to obliterate them and get rid of them. But then he runs into a fire hydrant. Or to change metaphors, he runs into a blast of light from heaven. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul is dazed and he says, Who are you, Lord? And the voice says, I'm Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. And when he got up, he was blind. His companions had to, had to take him by the hand and lead him into the city of Damascus. But friends, it's true that sometimes God uses the fire hydrant approach to get our attention. For years, we prayed that my brother would surrender to the God of heaven. But he was so resistant in his heart. We prayed and we prayed. I actually said to the coordinator of the prayer chain, he's been on the list for years. If you would like to take him off, I understand that he's been there a long time. And if there are others that need to be up in priority before him, she said, oh no, we would never do that. And we prayed for years and suddenly it broke. He was trucking, uh, something he was very confident in, driving a big rig. And he began to have these fears in his heart about overturning this big rig. It was like God was saying to him, I want you to listen. I want you to listen and to heed my call. And he resisted and he resisted and then one day it happened. His rig went across three lanes of traffic, crashed into the ditch and then into the adjacent field. And marvelously, he walked away from that wreck. Okay. But God was using the fire hydrant approach on him, saying, listen, you listen, you understand this. And I'm so glad to say that it's, it was in those circumstances that he listened and he opened his heart to God and his heart became warm to the heart of God. After all those years, when has the God of the universe shone a bright light into your life and said, I have something to say to you? Were you in your own world of sin and saying, I'm going this way regardless? Was it when you were so consumed with all the things that the world offered, the latest and the best and the biggest and all of that, that this was my focus and then one day you saw light. You saw light. You came to understand what this was all about. Did the light shine when you were about to make a strategic decision that would impact the rest of your time upon this earth? Who you would marry? where you would invest your time and your energy and your resources. Did the light shine ever so brightly when you landed on the hospital bed? You landed in court. You landed in prison. You landed in financial prison. It is very, very, very likely that you heard a prompting or many promptings 
from God along the way. You may have not have thought about it. You may have dismissed it. You say, I don't want to go there. Maybe you even thought, well, I don't know, where did that come from? Or just was it a, just a passing, fleeting thought? But you didn't focus on it long enough to get clarity. And probably you have known that prompting through the years. You can read the Old Testament, you can read the New Testament, and you'll find illustration after illustration of how God has been customizing messages for certain individuals. He's doing it for us too. Sometimes it comes through the fire hydrant approach. And we all know that's not the preferable way. That's not the preferable way to hear the voice of God. But it will happen. There's a lot of pressure there. Far better to say like Samuel, Lord, speak, for your servant is listening. Secondly, the whisper of guidance. Just after Paul got a fire hydrant message, there's another person in the story called Ananias who gets a low-level prompting from God. And it starts in verse 10 with these words, Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. Well, there's a fair amount of resistance from Ananias. He has to say, Lord, this guy is, is bad news. Uh, he has, has been bad news for a long time, and I don't think he's up to anything good. But the Lord says, no, he's my messenger to the Gentiles. He's my servant, and I'm going to use him. So Ananias obeyed God, went to Saul. You can imagine the, the, the fear that he had in his heart. He went to Saul, laid his hands on him, and amazing things happened. Suddenly Saul could see again. The Bible says he was filled with the Spirit. He was baptized. And it's an incredible story. Now, can you imagine getting a prompting like that? You know it's from God when you kind of get that message from heaven. And here's the thought. When you are obedient to follow the promptings of God, they will lead you to places of blessing for yourself and others. Let me say that again. When you are obedient to follow the promptings of God, they will lead you to places of blessing for yourself and for other people. Life gets very, very exciting when you obey the whispers of God because suddenly you see that God is doing something. God is up to something. And he includes you. He puts his arm around you and he allows you to be part of what he's doing. God is in this. God is at work. God is using you to accomplish this, his mission. And there's a bigger picture here than what you can see. You have a part in it, but it's bigger than you. You have yet to see how this story will unfold. And you will never know how your obedience will open doors for others. You'll just never understand that. Because when God whispers and you follow his prompting, it has potential to powerfully impact another life, even the lives of many people. So friends, those promptings, those urgings are critical because you're going to be a blessing. God sends you to be a blessing in your family and to your community and to your 
the people in your world. When God whispers, go ahead and give that money away. When God whispers, support that ministry. When God whispers, undergird that project. When God whispers, you might be opening the door for a powerful kingdom dream. I'd love to give you some brief but very helpful support for discerning that this is a message from God. Now here's a five-fold grid to, to run the message through. And some of you are going to remember this information from the home group study with the video curriculum from Bill Hybels that it's a number of years back. But if you get a green, if you get a green light after running it through the grid, you can be pretty confident that this is what God is saying to you. If on the other hand, some of these things don't jibe, they don't line up, there's not an alignment here, you might get a red flag, you might get a, a, a yellow flag, and they're caused to say, let's stop this, let's think about this. The first grid is, is this prompting consistent with the character of God? The question we all have when we get a whisper is, what is that? Is this from God? Was that just my thought? Or did God give me a message? And it's easy to brush it off and say, I don't know. And just keep going. But does this prompting line up with the character of God? Does it line up with His attributes? Does it line up with things like goodness and patience and compassion and justice? Or is it totally going in an opposite direction? Is it selfish? Is it impure? Is it motivated by some internal desire to promote ourselves? That's not a message from God because His messages will align with who He is. And what he's like. Is the prompting consistent with the character of God? Secondly, is it scriptural? The specific situation that you're dealing with is obviously not going to be in the Bible. Probably not. But is the principle there? When you think of how Jesus Christ might have dealt with that, try to imagine Jesus taking the action that you're considering taking. If you can't picture him doing whatever it is you're about to do, it's very unlikely that whisper wasn't God's voice at all. The third grade is, is, it, is this whisper wise? Is it wise? God is a wise God. He doesn't do foolish things. He's given us the whole book of Proverbs. And we call it the book of wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom in the book of Proverbs and in every other book of the Bible. One thing we know is that God always acts wisely and He instructs us to do the same. So we have to get back a little bit from our situation and evaluate the whisper. Is this wise to do what I think I've heard? If it is, great. If it's not, don't hesitate to stop and say, why doesn't this seem right? If we cheat on our expense reports, if we bully someone, if we ridicule someone, if we put them down, that's never the wisdom that God would give. If you think you have a message from God to not be honest with your family or erupt in anger at your boss or plant weeds in your neighbor's lawn, I can guarantee you that's not a message from heaven. Grid number four, is this whisper in tune with my character or my wiring patterns? I have my serious doubt if God will ever whisper a message to me that I should conclude my day job and begin a new ministry of music. I, I can't see it. 
unless I'm greatly mistaken, my singing career will be confined to the shower. I'm just not wired to be a musician. I'm not gifted that way. I'm so grateful for those who are, but it's not me. So is the whisper in tune with who God made me to be? And then number five, what do the people I most trust think about this whisper? What do think people think about the prompting that, that I've had? Proverbs 11:14. without wise leadership, a nation falls. There is safety in having many advisors. There is safety in many advisors. I'm grateful for my wife. I'm grateful for my family. There is safe, safety in running it past a trusted spouse saying, what do you think? Does that make sense to you? Don't just run it past anyone. Share it with those who are mature in the faith, who are committed to living their life in a God-honoring way, those who would seriously pray with you and seriously consider what you've just said. They won't necessarily tell you what you want to hear. Oh, yeah, I think that's fine. They, they will listen, they will evaluate, and they will discern with you. Find advisors who have proven that they handled the promptings of God with wisdom themselves. They get it. Find the people who have learned to listen for the voice of God and who give evidence through their lives that they are faithful and obedient. 1 John 4.1 Do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. Evaluate. Find people that you can trust. So five filters... All of them important to evaluate the question, is the whisper really from you, God? Does it align with the attributes of God? Is it scriptural? Is the whisper wise? Does it align with the person you've wired me to be? And do my closest friends following Christ agree that it's the voice of Jesus, or do they think I'm not hearing this correctly? It's the wisest thing in the world to evaluate the message you think you're hearing from heaven. And it's very comforting that we can do this. In fact, run it through the grid. Let those five filters help you in determining and listening for the voice of God. And if you get a green light after you've run it through the filters and you've been honest about it, what confidence that gives you that God has been speaking into your life. So listen carefully. Read His Word. Ask Him to continue to show you the way in which you should go. Let me conclude with this story. Henry Nouwen was a priest uh, and a brilliant teacher at places like Harvard and Yale. Uh, you probably know he spent the last decade of his life living in a community with severely challenged people. One day, uh, one time, there was a guy in his community named Trevor, a man with severe mental and emotional challenges who was sent to a psychiatric facility for evaluation. And Henry Nouwen wanted to visit him. He'd come to know him. He wanted to visit him in the hospital. So he called the hospital to arrange a visit. And when the authorities found out that Henry Nouwen was coming to their hospital, they asked him, Oh, could we have a lunch in the Golden Room? Could we invite doctors and and clergy people and PhDs to meet you and Henry said alright and he showed up and they took him to where the luncheon would be but Trevor was not there 
Henry said, where is Trevor? He was told, Trevor cannot come to lunch. Patients and staff are not allowed to have lunch together. Plus, no patient has ever had lunch in the golden room. That was a key moment. The default mode here is usually to say, well, okay, I guess you have your regulations and you're in charge. Henry Nouwen had two words go through his mind. Include Trevor. Include Trevor. Include Trevor. And that's what he heard. He spoke his heart. Henry said, but the whole purpose of my coming was to have lunch with Trevor. If Trevor is not allowed to attend the lunch, I will not attend either. A way was found for Trevor to attend the lunch. At one point, Henry was talking to the person on his right. And he didn't notice that Trevor stood to his feet. And he lifted up his glass of Coca-Cola. Trevor said, a toast, a toast. I will now offer a toast. Everybody in the room got nervous. What is he going to do? Then Trevor, this deeply challenged man in a room full of PhDs and doctors, starts to sing. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. Nobody is sure what to do. It's awkward. Here is this man with a level of challenge and brokenness that they can only imagine. And he is beaming. He is so thrilled to be there. So they start to sing softly at first and then louder and louder and louder until PhDs and doctors and clergymen and Henry Lowen are almost shouting. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And then Henry went on to give a talk. But the moment everyone remembered, the moment God spoke most clearly to the room and touched hearts with a memory that would last as long as they lived <clears throat> was through a person that they would all have said was the least likely person to speak for God. And God spoke through Trevor. God spoke through this young man. And friends, God still speaks. God still speaks. The Spirit still guides. The world still gets changed. And people still get blessed. And God will do it. And the Spirit will do it through you. And if you're a Jesus follower, the Spirit is in you. And that's part of your adventure. Whatever area of life that you need wisdom in, where you need guidance, just ask God, just ask the Holy Spirit, and He'll begin to show you how He wants to guide you. Would you bow with me? Are you here today? And you need the guidance of God in your life? Maybe you simply need to acknowledge that this morning. Lord, I need your guidance. And I'm going to ask you just lift your hand and acknowledge that if that's what you're experiencing these days, God, I need your guidance. I really need your guidance. Yes. 
Amen.